Hello and welcome to the Cafe Bitcoin Podcast, brought to you by Swan Bitcoin, the best way to buy and learn about Bitcoin. I am your host, Alex Danzig, and we're excited to announce that we are bringing the Cafe Bitcoin conversation from Twitter Spaces to you on this show, the Cafe Bitcoin Podcast, Monday through Friday, every week. Join us as we speak to guests like Max Kaiser, Lynn Alden, Tomer Strolight, Corey Clipston, and many others from the Bitcoin space. Also, be sure to hit that subscribe button to make sure you get notifications when we launch a new episode, or you can join us live on Twitter Spaces, Monday through Friday, starting at 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern, every morning and become part of the conversation yourself. Thank you again. We look forward to giving you the best Bitcoin content daily here on the Cafe Bitcoin Podcast. Some crazy stuff going on, man. Like, what is it? Like, I'm I'm genuinely curious. What is it about some Bitcoiners that they just completely lose their shit about Jason Lowry? Like, I genuinely want to know. If you're in the room and you have an idea, please come up and explain this phenomenon to me because it doesn't make any sense. I mean... I think there's a substantial portion of the of the Bitcoin Twitter community that is very high drama and prone to like gossiping like girls. I I could be wrong, but I think part of it is a bias that he's uh, you know worked for the government, if you will. You know, I'm not a psychologist, but I, I think that's a big part of it. So people are just like they're just completely fucking illogical, irrational and emotional about it because he's some kind of spook basically is what it comes down to. They don't actually look at the rational part of his argument. They're just triggered. Right. Which is a very fucking feminine beta male response to life. Yeah. I mean, here's the one other thing I'll say is um, I probably don't even, Align with everything he says, but I got a lot more better things to do than to complain about all that. Honestly, I mean, you know, he. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. This is one of the reasons why there are certain Twitter Bitcoin spaces that I just don't waste time hanging around in because a lot of the spaces do devolve into gossip rooms. You know, they're talking about people. And they're just like, nee, nee. I mean, they're just like, it's fucking, it's ridiculous. Well, I think it's also like, not to change the subject, but it's just like all the back and forth with Alex Glanstein as well. I'm like, can we just please leave this alone and move on? <laughs> I mean, at some point, enough's been said, in my opinion. <laughs> I, guess it's a, I guess it's a sideways crabbing thing, right? When Bitcoin price crabs sideways long enough, then Bitcoiners start attacking each other because they have nothing else to fight. I don't know. Stupid. I've just never been a big fan of gossiping about people's shit. You know, it's like, I don't know. Anyway, I think he's right, by the way. I posted that this morning and immediately got people laughing. You know, I'm not going to say any names. Somebody was laughing in the comment. I'm like, I think he's on to onto the answer. Like, look, when you've got Greenpeace and fucking 
shitcoin pumpers creating this false narrative about environmental devastation, right? If you answer the argument, you're actually agreeing to fight the fight on their terms. You're stepping onto their battlefield with their predefined rules, which I think is a mistake. I think the proper, I mean, this is like a, it's a thing that you see with, um, in a lot of political kind of arguments, they'll set the, the battlefield on the terms that they want to argue on. And I think stepping onto that battlefield and fighting under their rule set is a mistake. I think the more important thing is to identify the fact that property needs to be secured by energy, period. I don't give a, I mean, that will never fucking change and always be a requirement. Never going to change. This idea that, you know, I think there's a lot of Bitcoiners that have this idea that Bitcoin is going to, is going to remove violence and force from the human race. That is just fucking childishly naive. It's never going to happen. There have always been human beings amongst the human population that required force in order to stop from harming and taking shit from other people. It's always been that way. This art, this thing, you know, I keep hearing this. I came up in a, in a space last night. You know, it's the second time I've heard this concept, the logic of violence. As if all violence was rooted in logic. It's the most asinine fucking concept I've ever heard in my life. It's like, okay, rewind the clock. What is the very first record of human violence that we have? What's the human? What is the first record of that that we know about? Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel. Right. So, Cain's pissed off because God loves Abel. This is the story. Look, whether you're religious or Christian or you believe this or you don't believe it, this is the record. Okay. So, like. I'm not trying to sit here and tell you you need to believe this is true. I'm telling you this is the record from history that we have available, okay? Cain's pissed off because God loves Abel more or whatever. You know, you, you can frame that how you want. I'm not trying to give a lecture on, on the dynamics there. But basically, Cain's pissed off, picks up a rock, smashes his brother in the fucking head, right? Now, this was either... A uh, an act of violence based upon, you know, the so-called crime of passion category of crimes, or it was a psychopathic act. Either way, the point is, it was not logical. It wasn't a situation where these dudes were fighting over resources. You know, it was it was a uh, it was just one dude being a dick. Alex. So. Oh, yes. So, sorry to interrupt you. I, I wanted to actually throw something out there to bolster your argument. Um, but there's a lot of data and actually not data, but uh, a lot of the fossils, I guess, of early, early man, like before we became an agricultural society, where they would have sort of dents in their skulls as though fellow man was hitting them. So it goes even further back before we were organized, before we had spoken word. Like humans have instinctively always fought against one another. 
Yeah, and I don't know that it's so much a matter of instinct. I just think there's members of our society that are jerks. It's always been that way, will always been that way, be that way, full stop. Thus, the necessity of force for protection of private property. Even when we have hyper-Bitcoinization, those people will still exist amongst our society. What do you do about them? This is the point that I've kind of been trying to get across for months in these spaces. This is that these people exist. They're not going to go away just because of hyper-Bitcoinization. And thus, there is a need for protection of private property and your life, really. I mean, this is the entire concept of self-defense. As a firearms instructor, I teach people about this stuff in depth. And I'm telling you, there are people out there who will do bad things to you if you don't have a means of stopping them with force. So granted, most of the population is not like that. All I'm saying is, look, even, okay, look at it like this. In the area I live in, there is one law enforcement officer full-time for every 500 residents of population, right? So if you think of it in terms of a law enforcement officer is going to be busy all day dealing with people who are potentially violating other people's property rights or maybe violating their persons or just doing naughty stuff. I'm not talking about all the bullshit laws that we've got where people are being locked up for having a, a joint. That's all that stupid shit. I'm talking about real crimes here violations of other people's property and bodies and things like that, right? What does that tell you in terms of how much of the population are jerks? There is a, there is a portion. That's the reason cops exist. So I guess what I'm getting at is I think Lowry's fucking right. I think he's onto something with this. And what he's doing when he's saying that force is necessary to secure private property, which I agree with at a very fundamental basic level. Is, and and that, that requirement will never go away. No matter how rosy, no matter how utopian, you know, no matter how amazing hyper-Bitcoinization is, and it's going to be, don't mistake what I'm saying. I think hyper-Bitcoinization will disincentivize state-level warfare. It will disincentivize the military-industrial complex, yes, but it will never remove the jerks from the human population. And because of that, we must have a baseline way of projecting force and energy to protect private property. So I think that's absolutely correct. Tomer, good morning. Good morning, Alex. Uh, it's nice, nice to hear you talking passionately about something that matters to you. Just doing an audio check, making sure I can be heard. Um, You're good, Lima Charlie. Great. I, I, it's impossible to disagree with the premise of what you're saying, right? Because you can't, you can't wave a wand and make it so that someone with free will chooses to be good. Right? Everyone's got free will, and some will make the choice to be evil, and how we protect ourselves from evil is is the is the question what technologies can we use what social structures can we implement um you know bitcoin in one sense is a protection and a gun in one sense is an, is another protection right and a house a wall is an, in a sense another protection I, I think it's very interesting 
a lot of the stuff that Jason Lowry is saying, I think it's causing us to have a very deep philosophical discussion once again, because part of what we've observed is we created the states to protect us and protect our rights and the, and the things gotten turned around and violates our rights and declares wars and starts wars. So that, that's the piece that we have to be careful about. But I just don't see how anyone can disagree. Like you have to, you have to say that there's some cure for free will, which is, the worst thing that could end up happening, right? The, the possibility of I don't, I don't think that's right, Tomer. I, you're, you're posing it as a situation of free will, and and what I'm saying is, look, I'm not a psychologist, but I have read volumes of books about it because I've been in close proximity several times in my life to people who fall on the psychopathic spectrum, and. What? I'm, I'm just saying they, they still have a choice. They, they may No, they don't. They okay, well, let me, put, let me put it like this. Let me put it like this. The clinical definition of a psychopath is someone who does not have empathy for other human beings, meaning they're willing to do anything that would normally another human wouldn't do to another human. Most humans are completely like horrified and appalled by the kind of things the psychopaths are perfectly capable of doing without feeling any remorse or guilt or or any emotions about it. Well, In I, fact, I, they might I feel elated. Well, you and I don't. We're not disagreeing. I'm not saying that the psychopath uh, is not a psychopath, but I'm saying he still has free will. He still has. He he doesn't care. Yes. He doesn't have the moral compunction to not do evil. Yes, and, has, and this is this choice. is the key point, Tomer. This is the key point. The only thing that keeps people like that in check from acting on their pre-wired biological impulses is force or the threat of force. That's my point. Like when you remove law and order from a society, if you remove the police or if you remove force of contract or, or, you know, just the enforcement of law and order, right? What do you get? These folks come out. Yeah, power lusters seek to fill any void in power. And and also, when you set up a government with a bill of rights and a charter and division of uh, separation of powers, you also get the power lusting psychopaths eventually working their way into it, right? Uh, power lusting psychopaths lust after power. And, and so I, I think part of our lesson over the last couple of hundred years is we need to do everything that we can to decentralize the power, to not have people in positions who can abuse the power too much, especially because psychopaths will crave those positions. They will yes, work. So, so you and I agree on all of that stuff. Yeah. I was actually trying to get to a final point and then I'll shut up and let everybody else talk. The final point is that the reason the, the thing about fighting on the on the battlefield framing and the rules that the enemy is trying to set up is, is that you're fighting on their battlefield under their rules. When they make the argument about uh, ESG, it's it's a diversion. The real issue at hand is is Bitcoin is is the energy used to secure the Bitcoin network wasted energy that's base the base level contention and that's the base level thing that i think we need to address it's not about the environment 
It's about whether we should be expending energy to protect our private property. That's what I think it is. And that's why I think Jason's on point there. Go ahead. D. Hey, good morning, guys. Yeah, I totally agree with you, Alex. You know, uh, Bitcoin doesn't say, um, solve for assholes, right? <laughs> um, I was just curious how, you know, in the future, how we're going to kind of solve this uh, dictatorship um, potential, right? I mean, you know, it's, it's a yin and a yang, right? It can, Bitcoin be, can be used for good, but it's also for enemies. So I was just wondering what uh, people's thoughts were, were uh, with, uh, you know, a potential dictator using this for uh, more power, do you know what I mean? Rather than for good. I'm yeah. always curious as to how you use Bitcoin for evil. Like, can you paint the scenario, D? I'm not trying to be naive, but I, I, I'm looking for scenarios. No, yeah, okay. sure. Like, yeah, <laughs> go ahead, Dave. No, 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 no. I interrupted you. Please go. No, no worries. No worries. Um, I was just going to say, you know, there's a there's a guy that's a crazy early adopter that has, you know, thousands of Bitcoin. Um, and, you know, he uses that to uh, control his people. Right. Obviously, I understand that he's going to have to dis distribute those coins uh, to his people to kind of get his uh, economy flowing. Um, but I can, you know, I. I just kind of see it as, you know, obviously it can be used for good, but um, I do worry about the future in, in some countries, you know, potentially having this ability to use it for bad. Not a great example, D. When we get together. Oh, do, you want, do you want me to yeah. construct an example for you, Tom? Yeah, I can. Yeah, go ahead. All right. So all warfare is a, is a function of um, focusing force, really. You know, what is you know, what is force? It's, it's energy, right? It costs money to fuel warfare. 90 to 95% of uh, any army, well, in, in the United States anyway, is logistics. It's support. It's beans and bullets. You got those tanks cost money. Those bombs cost money. Those missiles cost money. The troops pay costs money, right? Like if you were to stop paying all of the American soldiers, what do you think they'd do? Do you think they'd keep working as soldiers? Nope. Some they'd might. Be, yeah. Most of them wouldn't, though. So my point is, is that that's an economic driver, right? If you've got enough Bitcoin, theoretically, you could hire your own army, build your own missiles, build your own attack helicopters, build your own everything. Rewind the clock all the way back to the founding of the United States of America. Those warships, the original warships of the United States Navy, those were owned by individuals, right? Which is, which is a function of economic power. So D has a point in that, like, you know, if there's enough concentration of Bitcoin, which is a representation of a stored energy and monetary power, uh, it's conceivable it could be used to hire an army and to build weapons and to blow people up with it. Now, here's the, here's the thing. I don't really worry about that so much because to me, money is a tool, right? A hammer is a tool. A firearm is a tool. A car is a tool. Money is a tool. There's this, I heard this last night in the space, you know, somebody was like, money is the root of all evil. You know, we did. And, and immediately, like, I was like, man, that's bullshit. I hate it when people do that. That's not the quote, the root 
of money is, or the, or the love of money is the root of all evil. The love of money is the root of all evil, not money is the root of all evil, because it classifies the tool as the thing that creates the evil. That's not right. Like a good person can drive a car and an evil person can drive a car. A good person can pick up a hammer and an evil person can pick up a hammer. A good person can be rich and an evil person can be rich. It doesn't make those people good or evil. They already were that. It just amplifies their options and their 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 tools to do things with. Yeah, with great economic uh, value comes great uh, responsibility, I guess. Right. I'm just uh, I'm just trying to say. I guess I'm not. I don't want to be naive in the fact that I know that you know Bitcoin can you know help help them and aid them in their uh, you know their narrative or their their story. Do you know what I mean? Like and pushing it forward. Um, yeah, just just looking at both sides, I guess. I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, I don't worry about the accumulation of so much. Maybe it'll happen. I don't know. But what I know is, is that Bitcoiners hold most of it right now. <laughs> Maybe a hundred years from now, that'll be different. But the truth is every corporation is going to have to exert, exert to, to get Bitcoin in the balance sheet. Every wealthy person is going to have to do that. Every nation is going to have to do that at some point. So how they do that, I don't well, know. I so, think they have to pro- go ahead, Tomer. So I think, I think the historic difference, if, we, if you roll back the clock and you say, what was the difference between the time of the American Revolution and, and since until now is always violence and conquest could obtain property, including money, right? Gold could be seized. That's why you went gallivanting all over the world to steal the gold from all of these cultures that you ran into. There's a big difference here. You cannot steal, you cannot steal the Bitcoin. You must exert energy, not by putting a bullet in the head of the person whose Bitcoin you want, but by offering him some value using your energy so that he relinquishes and releases his Bitcoin to you in exchange for the use of energy. So it becomes no violence will happen. I really, I'm, I'm, I want to be very careful. I'm not some foolish idealist here, but I think that there is such a fundamental difference in a money that cannot be taken by force, that cannot be seized by force, that it's going to drive people who are in pursuit of money to offer, to use energy, in exchange in creating value rather than in creating violence and that's going to be I, i'm not saying that here's psychopathy i have i don't i don't think it does i think there's all i mean we see all the shit coiners all around who try to use any form of deceit to to gain money um but we're still we're still in the early days and uh, that that to me is just this is the technological invention that changes the game and we don't know exactly how it changes the game. Like, I don't want to pretend that I have 2020 vision into the distant, distant future um, and how it changes. But but it's not going to be the same. Yeah, let's I agree with that just to an extent. Let's explore that a little bit. So I think it's important to to distinguish between Bitcoin as property and all the other forms of property that we still need to survive as human beings. Right. We still need a, a place to live. We still need food to eat. 
right? We still need. So those kinds of things, even though it will at some point probably be bought and sold for Bitcoin, are not Bitcoin themselves. So theoretically, they're still subject to violence and force, right? So there's that. But aside from that, I think for the most part, governments will have to provide something of value for Bitcoin. I, I think this trend where you're seeing states and cities all across the United States and indeed the world are setting up legal frameworks for people to pay their taxes in, in Bitcoin. This is fascinating to me. Why are they doing that? I mean, they're going to, I don't know, part of me wants to say because they need the Bitcoin. I don't know. It's just an interesting phenomenon. So I agree. They're, everyone's going to have to provide some kind of service to get Bitcoin unless they take it. Right, which is the whole concept of get your Bitcoin off the exchanges. I think when it comes down to it, there's a real risk of of governments going, "Hey, look at all this Bitcoin. This is under my jurisdiction. I'm just going to take it." If it's not in private custody, that's an issue. So this is just one more reason to do your own custody, guys. I don't know what what the order of the hands is. Aunt Shane, you paying attention to that? Well, it, think it's it was PG and then Q. I think I think Q. It's it's first actually. I just I, I wanted to chime in because one thing that I don't think we've been talking about on these future scenarios um, is this idea of reapproaching war, how it was handled during times where we truly lived on a gold standard. Not since World War One have we properly done that, and during World War One, that's when we started to see this debasement of fiat currency. So I do think that to an extent, there's like a shot clock over your head in these future scenarios in a hyper-Bitcoinized world where countries are on a Bitcoin standard. To your point earlier, D, you, you do have a time limit. There's only so much Bitcoin. There's only so many resources you have to send towards it. And the only reason we have these forever wars that we've seen over the last few decades, especially, is because of, of the inflation and the consistent printing of fiat dollars. So will war go away? No. I'm a big believer, or used to be a big believer, that religion was the cause of so many wars throughout history, but I've come to also realize, like, as humans, we just suck, and we'll find another reason to hate the person next to us. So, for that yeah. reason. It's also possible that religion was the excuse for the masses, right? That was the excuse that was used, but at the end of the day, the real reason might, might have been resource or power-based, right? Right. The religious leaders of the past are what the political leaders of today are. So yeah, we just have to stay kind of what I'm to getting, understand yeah. what yeah. that was going to look like in the future so that we can stuff it out without, of course, turning into that at the same time. Yeah, for sure. It's a good point. Can you, I think you're dead? Yeah, what's up? What's up, everybody? Alex, thanks for, for having me on stage. Um, and like yesterday, I actually had the space and we we talked about this, but I, I don't know if it was me, but I was saying precisely uh, the same that you said, the, the opposite of that code, because money cannot be the root of all evils. It, it's, it, as you said, it's just a tool. Uh, but fiat currency in itself uh, creates incentives for people. It's, it's a maximized incentive for people to become uh, bad chasing money because they're, they're running and they're saying still sometimes they are running and, and getting backwards at time. And so their their money, their their energy of their labor, it's being lost in the fiat currency. And so it makes 
people uh, behave in a certain uh, way that it's in it's it's bad in itself. Like, but again, it's it's not the money that creates the evil. Um, and obviously, I I can entertain that that thought. Like Alex, it, it makes sense if um, a state government or or even an individual, like you said, has a massive concentration of the supply and want to use that supply uh, and that money for bad intentions like uh, buying military equipment, uh, storage, uh, logistic, whatever, buying all of the things that can be used for betting, they can do that. But Bitcoin makes it, um, makes it difficult because normally with fiat currencies, wars uh, are profitable. That's why they invest in war, because it's, it's, it's profitable. And so as, as a country that is um, an imperialist uh, expansion country, that goes to these countries and uh, absorbs the resources of those countries by means of violence and war, with fiat currency, that turn, uh, turns it much more profitable and easy to do that, to, to just print and invest in, in that in, in that sense. With Bitcoin, you, you got to think like, is this the, the right choice? Because if if we are going to war, we need to invest our Bitcoin. That it's, we know that it's limited. It's only 21 million. Uh, are we going to get back those uh, Bitcoin with war, or maybe if we trade, uh, it's better. We can gain more Bitcoin. It, it's it, it's it's a um, it's it's I, I don't know, but it would it will be a probabilistic model to figure out with if war in a Bitcoin standard is more profitable than doing something good. You know, somebody brought up this really interesting concept that conflict will no longer exist on a state level or a sovereign level, but you might see military teams hitting data centers to reduce the hash rate <laughs> of a competitor. That was, I'd never heard that before, but after he said it, I started thinking to myself, man, yeah, like eventually I could see a scenario like that unfolding. Good morning, CK. Welcome up. Figured you What's had something. Up, we're we're going to be, uh, we're going to be doing some stuff here in a little bit. We're going to finish here with the news i guess this wasn't really news it was more kind of a philosophical kind of discussion of energy and the use of force and the need for force to protect private property which i believe is true um and then we'll hit some announcements here real shortly but we're going to be talking today about bitcoin 2022 conference we've got ck here um also we've got s2 here in the room he's going to give us a quick update on uh on Ronin Dojo, Tantos, Nodes, etc., which is pretty cool. Um, by the way, I just ordered one. I was like, <laughs> I threw us to uh, a message the other day, and I'm like, hey, man, you got any discount codes for the Tantos? Because I had one in my shopping cart, and I'm like, man, I want to push the button on this thing. But I ended up not being able to wait. I just pushed the button. <laughs> so I got one. <laughs> I feel you there. I even bought one for myself. At full price. Um, well, was like, yeah, appreciate your support, man. You bet, brother. In the show yesterday, Shane was like, "Oh, by the way, they have Tantos in stock again." I'm like, "Shane, shh, I gotta buy one still, man." <laughs> 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 oh boy, uh, I think yeah, D we scaled up this time a bit, so there should be plenty to go around. No rush. Oh, nice. nice. Yeah. Okay. Uh, D, I think you had your hand up. Then we'll go with Tomer. Then we'll hit announcements and. Uh, roll into our other stuff today. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, I just wanted to kind of wrap up what PD and Q was saying. Um, 
in terms of the gold standard, right? Uh, people were trying to fight wars for spoils. So um, obviously with self-custody, we can't really, you know, go fight a go fight a war and then, you know, get the, the Bitcoin spoils per se. Um, I guess I was just kind of referring to, you know, these rational or irrational people um, that are just assholes and just want to see the world burn. So, um, I, you know, I guess I'm still working on my thesis. Obviously, I just want to get you guys' thoughts. But, uh, you know, if if someone has a lot of money, I guess my my point was what's stopping them from, you know, launching a nuke. Um, and, you know, they don't care about more Bitcoin. They have a shit ton of Bitcoin already and they just want to see the world burn. I guess I guess I'm just... I'm worried about that, but you know, I, my, my short know, answer yeah. to that D is sheepdogs. Sheepdogs have always been the counter to psychopaths, always in human history, in my opinion, anyway. And I'm not going to get, you know, I'm not going to dive into that right now, but that's what I think. Tomer, go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. If you'll grant me four or five minutes that it takes to read it, um, the prior to the invention of Bitcoin, which changes the rules a little bit, I think the very best thing that's ever been written about money and this, the love of money, the root of all evil, all that kind of stuff is a speech um, that one of the characters delivers in Ayn Rand's Atlas Shrug. And it only takes about four minutes to read. And I would love to read it because it, rather than me rambling, it answers everything that's been asked here. But if it, this is your room, so. By all means, Tom, let's hear it. Okay. All right. So th this, this is, it doesn't really matter where the scene takes place, but this is a character in a party surrounded by intellectual, you know, intellect, the intelligentsia of the day, uh, talking about how money is the root of all evil. And he says, so you think money, you think that money is the root of all evil, said Francisco Danconia. Have you ever asked what is the root of money? Money is a tool of exchange, which can't exist unless there are goods produced and men able to produce them. Money is the material shape of the principle that men who wish to deal with one another must deal by trade and give value for value. Money is not the tool of the moochers who claim your product by tears or of the looters who take it from you by force. Money is made possible only by the men who produce. Is this what you consider evil? When you accept money in payment for your effort, you do so only on the conviction that you will exchange it for the product of the effort of others. It is not the moochers or the looters who give value to money. Not an ocean of tears, not all the guns in the world can transform those pieces of paper in your wallet into the bread you will need to survive tomorrow. Those pieces of paper, which should have been gold, are a token of honor, your claim upon the energy of the men who produce. Your wallet is your statement of hope that somewhere in the world around you, there are men who will not default on that moral principle, which is the root of money. Is this what you consider evil? Have you ever looked at the root of production? Take a look at an electric generator and dare tell yourself that it was created by the muscular effort of unthinking brutes. Try to grow a seed of wheat without the knowledge left to you by men who had to discover it for the first time. Try to obtain your food by means of nothing but physical motions, and you'll learn that man's mind is the root of all the goods produced and of all the wealth that has ever existed on earth. But you say that money is made by the strong at the expense of the weak. What strength do you mean? Is it not the strength of guns or is it, yeah, it is not the strength of guns or muscles. 
wealth is the product of man's capacity to think, then is money made by the man who invents a motor at the expense of those who did not invent it? Is money made by the intelligent at the expense of fools, by the able at the expense of the incompetent, by the ambitious at the expense of the lazy? Money is made before it can be looted or mooched, made by the effort of every honest man, each to the extent of his ability. An honest man is one who knows that he can't consume more than he has produced. To trade by means of money is the code of the men of goodwill. Money rests on the axiom that every man is the owner of his mind and his effort. Money allows no power to prescribe the value of your effort except the voluntary choice of the man who is willing to trade you his effort in return. Money permits you to obtain for your goods and your labor that which they are worth to the men who buy them, but no more. Money permits no deals except those to mutual benefit by the unforced judgment of the traders. Money demands of you the recognition that men must work for their own benefit, not for their own injury, for their gain, not for their loss. The recognition that they are not beasts of burden born to carry the weight of your misery, that you must offer them values, not wounds, that the common bond among men is not the exchange of suffering, but the exchange of goods. Money demands that you sell not your weakness to men's stupidity, but your talent to their reason. It demands that you buy not the shoddiest they offer, but the best that your money can find. And when men live by trade with reason, not force as their final arbiter, it is the best product that wins, the best performance, the man of best judgment and highest ability, and the degree of a man's productiveness is the degree of his reward. This is the code of existence whose tool and symbol is money. Is this what you consider evil? But money is only a tool. It will take you wherever you wish, but it will not replace you as the driver. It will give you the means for the satisfaction of your desires, but it will not provide you with the desires. Money is the scourge of the men who attempt to reverse the law of causality, the men who seek to replace the mind by seizing the products of the mind. Money will not purchase happiness for the man who has no concept of what he wants. Money will not give him a code of values if he's evaded the knowledge of what to value and it will not provide him with a purpose if he's evaded the choice of what to seek. Money will not buy intelligence for the fool or admiration for the coward or respect for the incompetent. The man who attempts to purchase the brains of his superiors to serve him with his money replacing his judgment ends up becoming the victim of his inferiors. The men of intelligence desert him, but, he cheats, but the cheats and the frauds come flocking to him, drawn by the law which he has not discovered that no man may be smaller than his money. Is this the reason why you call it evil? Only the man who does not need it is fit to inherit wealth. The man who would make his own fortune no matter where he started. If an heir is equal to his money, it serves him. If not, it destroys him. But you look on and you cry that money corrupted him. Did it or did he corrupt his money? Do not envy a worthless heir. His wealth is not yours and you would have done no better with it. Do not think that it should have been distributed among you. Loading the world with 50 parasites instead of one would not bring back the dead virtue, which was the fortune. Money is a living power that dies without its root. Money will not serve the mind that cannot match it. Is this the reason why you call it evil? Money is your means of survival. The verdict you pronounce upon the source of your livelihood is the verdict you pronounce upon your life. If the source is corrupt, you have damned your own existence. Did you get your money by fraud? 
by pandering to men's vices or men's stupidity, by catering to fools in the hope of getting more than your ability deserves, by lowering your standards, by doing work you despise for purchasers you scorn? If so, then your money will not give you a moment's or a penny's worth of joy. Then all the things you buy will become not a tribute to you, but a reproach, not an achievement, but a reminder of shame. Then you'll scream that money is evil, evil because it would not pinch hit for your self-respect, evil because it would not let you enjoy your depravity. Is this the root of your hatred of money? Money will always remain an effect and refuse to replace you as the cause. Money is the product of virtue, but it will not give you virtue and it will not redeem your vices. Money will not give you the unearned, neither in matter nor in spirit. Is this the root of your hatred of money? Or did you say it's the love of money that's the root of all evil? To love a thing is to know and love its nature. To love money is to know and love the fact that money is the creation of the best power within you and your passkey to trade your effort for the effort of the best among men. It's the person who would sell his soul for a nickel who is the loudest in proclaiming his hatred of money, and he has good reason to hate it. The lovers of money are willing to work for it. They know. Okay, Tomo, I'm going to pause you there because you asked for five minutes and we're on eight. (laughs) I'm starting to get DMs. However, I will say that that was probably... That was probably extremely valuable for a lot of people who haven't entertained these concepts before. Yeah. And it points I'm, I'm to sorry the, that it was longer than I thought. That's okay. It, it What it points to, I think, in summary, is the difference between meritocratic production and plunder, which has always been the case, right? It also points to the fact that money is a tool, just like all tools. You know, it, it, people can get really upset with money and be like, money's evil, and people who like money are evil, and all that other kind of shit. And it's it's no different than, in my opinion, the sort of misdirected anger towards firearms. It's a tool. A car's a tool. A hammer's a tool. Anyway, I'm not going to get too deep into that. Let's move on. I'll let it go. Uh, for people to read it, there's, there's about another three or four minutes, and it's really outstanding how it ends. So I just leave it at that. Francisco's money speech, because what you need to Google, and I'll share it in the nest for people who want. Fantastic. Um. I believe, S2, you've got another gentleman that you want to bring up here. Let me go. Yeah, Dojo Coder. Uh, could you raise your hand, Pavel? Dojo, if, you, if you're in the audience, just uh, request to come up here because it's hard to kind of see everybody. There's a ton of people in this room. I just PM'd him. Maybe he's uh, doing something else. Nice. But yeah, uh, did you want us to kind of dive into that for a second? We're going to hit announcements first, and then uh, yeah, then we'll then we'll hit that. Okay. Give hey guys, Sounds hey, good. real quick, Alex, um, y'all y'all doing uh, what's what's the agenda again? Can you remind me? I, I apologize. Yep, we're going to do announcements real quick. We're going to have S two give us a quick update on um, what's going on with the Tantos back in stock, and we're talking about conference for the rest of the show. Beautiful. Um, Chris, Q and I might jump out for 15 minutes. We have something we got to discuss, uh, and then we'll come back. All right, cool. That, that works. Right. Appreciate it. Thank you. Sorry. All good, man. All good. I know you guys must be so busy right now. Last week before conference, the time is quickly approaching. I mean, we're on Wednesday. A lot of people are going to start exactly. traveling when down there. Wait, it's Wednesday? Yes, sir. When we go away. 
it's flying. Time's flying. Q and Chris, meet me on Slack real quick. All right, cool. So you've been listening to Cafe Bitcoin. Like today's discussion at times was a little bit intense. And uh, I acknowledge that. I don't apologize for it. You know, I want everyone to know that our purpose is not to offend anybody. Like sometimes we say stuff that I think can probably be pretty edgy and emotionally kind of like charged for people. I just want you to know that, you know, we're here to explore the truth. We're here to help people understand what Bitcoin is. And I think the common thing amongst Bitcoiners is that we we do seek the truth. I, I, I believe that, you know, from the Bitcoiners that I've met. I think most Bitcoiners are critical thinkers and they're, they're looking for the truth. So um, we do this every day, Monday through Friday. We start at 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern. We roll for two hours. We talk about all kinds of things, Bitcoin, and occasionally the fringe elements, so to speak, of Bitcoin as well, because it's probably important things to understand and discuss, especially in an age of shit coins. Uh, getting together and paying Greenpeace $5 million to say proof of work um, is devastating for the environment. What what fuckery is this? It's just unbelievable. Um, Anyway, yeah, this is a great place to get your morning news. It's a great, it's a, you know, it's a preferred hangout for some of the top Bitcoiners in the space to just chill and talk about what's going on. It's also a podcast. It's up on Spotify and Apple, everywhere you get your podcast. Throw a follow to Swan Bitcoin up here to be notified of when these podcasts drop. They usually drop within a couple of hours of the show. We also have a Telegram group if you want to join it. You can chat with other, other Cafe Bitcoiners, ask questions for the panelists on the show. If you want a job in Bitcoin, go to bitcoinerjobs.com. There's over 150 jobs in the Bitcoin industry right now up there. And if you're hiring, you have a company, suggest you go there and post as well. Just a quick note on Swan. I work for, for Swan Bitcoin. I work in Swan Private. Swan Private is designed for uh, high net worth, ultra high net worth, family office, etc. Who are interested in Bitcoin. It's designed as kind of a one-on-one. We'll hold your hand and walk you through everything you need to know. It's essentially unlimited consulting time with a very deep bench of experts. Swan Bitcoin has got some really smart people. Some of the top people in the industry, in my opinion. Um, and so the whole purpose of that is to help you understand from a very base level. I have people come to me and say, hey, Alex, I don't even understand Bitcoin. I'm very successful business owners who will say, I don't really understand Bitcoin. I'm sending you this big chunk of money. Please buy Bitcoin and you can explain it to me as we go. Right. I'm not saying you need to do that. What I'm saying is it's a way to to help you along the path. So if you're interested in that, shoot me a DM. I'm happy to help you out. Also, if you want to put Bitcoin on your balance sheet for your business, that is becoming a thing. We're talking to business owners constantly who are now onboarding and adding Bitcoin to their balance sheet. We have one of the fastest business onboarding times in the entire industry. Most of the time, it'll be less than a week and as fast as 48 hours in some cases. I'm not going to dive into Bitcoin 2022 because we're going to talk about that at length here in the next segment. But... Right now, let's go to S2 and Dojo Coder. Um, these guys are from Ronin Dojo. They created the Tanto, amongst other things. And uh, I'm personally pretty fired up about that. We had these guys on the show, I don't know, what was it, a week or two ago? And after that, I made up my mind. Like, look, I was planning on 
buying and firing up a node for the longest time, but I couldn't decide which one I wanted to do. And it just didn't feel right. But once these guys started talking about what Tanto is and the, the kind of the basis behind how they built it and their philosophy on why they did it that way, I was like, oh, oh, oh this is the one. S2, Dojo, welcome. Hey, thanks for having us on. We also got one more guy from the team that came in. Uh, Wandering King is his username. Uh, Miguel, please raise your hand to speak. But yeah, um, great to be here. It feels like I was just here yesterday. Um, and the Tonto is back. I put the tweet up in the nested tweets here in the spaces. And for anyone who doesn't know, Ronin Dojo is a company that develops hardware and software to make it easy to use Bitcoin as if it were cash. Uh, you know, Satoshi defined Bitcoin as peer-to-peer -peer electronic cash. So we're here to provide, you know, Bitcoin nodes, steel backup plates for self-custody, uh, we have cool Bitcoin node software, <clears throat> excuse me, software that uh, makes it easier to deploy a node and and hook your wallet up to that node. Uh, we also got premium support, all kinds of great services. Um, but basically, we're just working hard to increase the accessibility uh, for Bitcoin users to you know connect their wallet to a node, use CoinJoin like the Tonto comes standard with Whirlpool, so you can have transactional privacy when spending your Bitcoin, uh, you know, to do your own self-custody and really just run Bitcoin in your own home. So, Pavel, uh, you want to kind of jump up and introduce yourself and talk about what you do on the project real quick? Yeah, sure. Uh, hey, everyone. Uh, my name is Pavel. Uh, I work uh, both. Actually, I work both on Samurai Dojo, uh, like the base base uh, dojo project, and also I work uh, on Ronin UI, uh, which is the uh, graphical interface uh, that we released uh, with the Tanto, so users uh, can uh, use their note and uh, maintain their uh, Ronin Dojo note. Uh, with ease, uh, and yeah, we're still still having a lot of work ahead of us because we we have a lot of cool features to bring to our users. Um, so yeah, we'll uh, happy to be here, uh, and I'm also coming to Miami. So anyone going on there, uh, come talk to me. Thanks, Pavel. Miguel, did you get? Uh... Uh, he says he rose his hand to speak. If somebody could promote uh, Wandering King to speak. Okay. I don't see it. So, Jacob, if you see him, grab him, please. It's weird. Um, but, yeah, you know, thanks, for, thanks for jumping in, Pavel. Uh, if anybody, of course, has any questions, you know, holler at us on Twitter. Um, we have a ton of products. We're, you know, we're focusing on the Ronin Dojo Tonto right now. And... Uh, it's, you know, something really high quality you want to take a look at. Um, you know, it's not just some naked Raspberry Pi sitting on a shelf. This thing's a solid block of aluminum. No fans. The case itself actually sits down onto the processor inside. So, you know, it's one giant heat sink as a case. Um, it's got like a little red LED underneath that flashes based on, you know, if it's sinking or... Um, 
you know, if the power's on, it's a great indicator to kind of see the health of the device. Um, we use uh, one terabyte M.2 SSDs, uh, you know, no plugging some SSD in with a USB cable. So it looks like a, you know, a naked node. It's not very optimized. Uh, you know, we're trying to use really high quality parts um, and kind of set a standard here that, you know, most people are used to like looking at a Mac mini in the Mac or the Apple store. And everyone's used to, you know, clean, sexy. Uh, so that's really what we were going for here with the sleek design. We're even getting our own uh, chips manufactured that have little, you'll see little Ronin Dojo logos on them uh, so that we can enable this thing to be super low profile. It's very small, very compact. Uh, and it's a note I think you'd, you know, really want to sit on your desk and you don't want to tuck this thing in the corner. It, it looks really good. Alex, uh, so you ordered one. Are you excited about trying out Bitcoin privacy stuff like CoinJoin? Have you ever done CoinJoin before? All of it. Uh, no, I haven't. And, um, I'm not going to say what I'm going to do, but I have plans. Shane, go ahead. Yeah, quick question. Um, I haven't ordered mine yet, by the way. I want to eventually. <laughs> um, you mentioned the UI and the software. Does the UI and the Dojo software run on any other platforms? I mean, is it is it Linux-based, or does it can it run on... Windows. The user interface Mac is accessible uh, through like a web browser. So you can do that on any device that has a web browser, your mobile phone, uh, your whichever computer you prefer. And uh, also it can be accessed through Tor browser as well. Um, if you're accessing it locally through a web browser, obviously you'd have to be in your home connected to your internet to, you know, locally log in. Um, but while you're on the go, you know, I've been on a ski trip on top of a mountain logged into my Ronin dojo, uh, over tour and doing coin joins and, you know, paying my friend, you know, all while, all while we're skiing on top of a mountain, it's just a very powerful feeling to know that, you know, you're connecting with your own node, even hundreds of miles away, uh, end to end encrypted doing this stuff, spending Bitcoin, like it's cash, you know, living how you want to live. See, Wandering King, did you raise your hand? Yeah, he said request to speak sent. See if we can get you up here, Miguel. Hey, Pablo, everyone, are there any? Uh, are there Oops. any? Oh, there we go. Right, well, welcome, Miguel. So, yeah, um, my name is Miguel. I've been uh, with the Running Dojo team for a little bit over a year now, and uh, basically, I've been helping out Pablo with uh, the whole Running UI. And, uh, well, I started with Samurai a few months ago, working for them on the Sentinel and Samurai Wallet app. And um, I'm pretty excited for Miami and meet some of you all in person. Thanks, Miguel. Yeah, yeah I really wanted to have the team come in here and just show you guys the power of free and open source software for a second. Um, all of these guys I've never even met will be meeting for the first time in Miami. And we all met online and we made this project together. 
And, you know, the code is totally free and open for anyone to jump in and contribute to. Uh, and the project in general, even if you're just editing the wiki or making some media. And it's crazy how a project like this can come together kind of seemingly out of nowhere, just from an idea that a few people shared online. Uh, so really appreciate you team members coming in today. And there's like 12 of us now. Um, the project just seems to keep growing. So if you guys are interested in getting into the Bitcoin space, uh, find a free and open source project that you can contribute to and jump in and help. And you'd be surprised how fast you learn and how fast you kind of become part of a family of people. Yeah, I mean, so go ahead. Yes. Oh, I just wanted to say that uh, as far as I know, both uh, Zelko and Stu, as uh, founders of Ronin Dojo, uh, came from like non non uh, IT related backgrounds and built this amazing project. Am I right? Yeah, um, I learned basically coding and like Linux development environment and all that stuff through Bitcoin through Ronin Dojo. Um, before this. I was not even involved in anything like that. I had a completely different job. You were going to say Shane. something, Alex. I didn't mean to get you cut off there. <laughs> no, that's all good, man. Go ahead, Shane. No, I was just going to ask for those that are in the audience might want to know, because you know, you're in a sense inviting them to get involved. And so, which is cool. What are the different programming languages that are kind of involved, you know, I hear of Rust and various other things, and I don't even know what's commonly used for what aspect of all of what's Bitcoin development. Yeah, so our scripts are in Bash. Um, and basically, anytime you open like a terminal in Linux, uh, like say you're on Ubuntu and you open the terminal, that's all Bash. That's what you're working in when you're messing with that. So that's just um, a shell, shell script, basically, yeah. Essentially, yeah. Uh, at, the, at the core, uh, Ronin Dojo is everything set up and deployed by a set of scripts. And anyone who's listening who, you know, it sounds like jargon, it's, it's really not. Um, it's just a simple set of instructions for the computer to follow to install this thing, download this thing, so everything can be set up for Ronin Dojo to run. And then from there, the... Uh, the Ronin UI, the nice shiny interface that you can click around on, is uh, React.js. So that's like JavaScript. Um, that's the main two things we're working in right now for Ronin Dojo. Um, but you don't even have to, you know, if code's not your thing, um, contributing to open source can be done in so many different ways, whether it's media, um, you know, editing wiki, testing, just downloading and hammering things um what did you want to jump in miguel yeah i think that's uh, important to highlight because uh the very reason i'm working with the running dojo team right now is because um i i didn't start writing code for running dojo i actually started uh translating some of the bitcoin q a websites into spanish and that's how um that's how he contacted me uh that that's like that was like my first step to start contributing it's important to highlight that many more things are needed uh, apart from apart from developers. Very good point. 
So at this point, while we're waiting for CK and the rest of the Bitcoin magazine crew to get back and we're going to discuss conference, let's open it up for questions. If anybody in the audience has questions, you can also shoot DMs for the Ronin Dojo team. Um, and while we're waiting on any questions, can one of you guys give us a three, two, three, or five bullet points on what makes Tanto special? And like, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. So, so the Tonto, what makes it special is uh, we're trying to make running a Bitcoin node easy. And right now, the entire space of Bitcoin nodes, like at, at the retail level, is in its infancy. So every day we're grinding to improve, to make this a more plug and play experience, to cut out the command line stuff and, you know, really simplify this. On top of that, we have a really strong focus on security, on privacy you know, behind every single Bitcoin wallet is a Bitcoin node. And you want one that, you know, runs over the Tor anonymity network that has coin join capability like Whirlpool so that you can, you know, do custody of your Bitcoin and it can't be tracked, followed. Uh, so you can use Bitcoin like it's cash. And really that's our focus at uh, Ronin Dojo and with the Tonto is just make it easy, you know, simplify it, enable people to use Bitcoin like it's cash and do their own self-custody and, you know, put it all in a, a sleek, sexy, you know, high quality box. And that's the Tonto. Good morning, Ayer. Go ahead. Hi, Alex. Good morning. Thank you for, for putting this great, great uh, channel again. Uh, just have a question for AKA. I, I believe he's uh, one of the developers of the, the Dojo. Is, it is that correct? Uh, Pavel is one of the developers on the Dojo project, and I work on the Ronin Dojo project. So a little separate. So you might be, you might have a question for Pavel. Um, well, I just wanted to express that um, I, I, I've been working, I've been working. Uh, almost about a few months uh, with the Umbrel project, but um, I, I'm totally, totally, uh, I have no bias. I don't have any, any preference, but I, I really want to look into the, the running Doyo or Doyo itself. I know there's, I know it's another uh, lightning node. Um, and I would like to, to look at it, look at it more in the technical way. I, I'm, I'm a network engineer, so I, I've been, uh, able to understand quickly the, the putting together the node and I, I run it in in docker as you may know uh, it's very it's just a docker image in top of uh, Ubuntu OS uh, and um, and I've been working with LND and then Bitcoin core and all that so uh, who do I need to contact if I need to if I want to volunteer and look into the code and and create some some videos to to help on this. I, I do that with Umbra, but I would like to do it with other nodes as well. Uh, Pavel, you want to take that first for Samurai Dojo? Oh yeah, sure. Uh, regarding Samurai Dojo, uh, you can just uh, shoot me a message on Twitter uh, or or uh, on Telegram uh, in Dojo uh, on in Dojo Room. Uh, I'm there uh, on a daily basis, so uh, yeah, shoot, shoot us a message and uh, 
uh, you can take a look at the code that's on our GitLab, and uh, I'm sure if you have any valuable suggestions, uh, we'll be glad for your help. Okay, yeah. I, I, I'm following uh, your, uh, you, and I'm following the other speaker as well, and I will be in touch. Thank you so much, guys. Thanks. All right, I want to uh, say thanks to the Ronin Dojo guys for, for showing up today and, and doing that. We're going to be switching over to talking about conference here. We've got CK, some of the other guys from Bitcoin Mag. So uh, really appreciate you guys coming. Appreciate the great questions we've had on the subject. If you want to check it out, notes are pinned in the nest. If you guys want to join our Telegram group, you can put, put a link in there too for people who are listening to the podcast. If they want to catch the link, um, you can do that there. We're going to be rearranging the speakers a little bit. We might be dropping a couple people. It's not personal. We just need to um, make room for the Bitcoin mag guys. CK, how's it going, brother? It's going great. And uh, I'm a big Ronin Dojo fan. Uh, they're going to be at the conference. So if you want to meet a bunch of folks from their team, you got to be at the conference. And pretty much every company and a lot of the Bitcoiners in the English-speaking and North American world uh, and beyond that are going to be at the conference. Uh, so uh, it's going to be an absolute fantastic time. And I know I just can't wait. I can't wait. Uh, the only downside for me is that I can't fully enjoy it because I have to work to make it happen. But outside of that, it's uh, it's absolutely spectacular. And uh, just, you know, knowing all of the different companies that were formed at Bitcoin conferences in the past, uh, knowing that this event has grown from, you know, 1800 people to, uh, now it's going to be over 20,000 people in just uh, just over three years. Uh, it's it's incredible to see what Bitcoin uh, is doing to the world. And, 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 you know, the conference itself is kind of like a physical instantiation of like Bitcoin's network growth and influence. Uh, so people really freaking care about Bitcoin these days. Uh, you can see in, you know, the sponsors, you can see in the speakers, uh, Bitcoin is just uh, completely taking hold of, hold of the mind share and, uh, it's a lot of fun to be able to uh, to have this crazy festival to celebrate it all. Seven days away, y'all. Seven days away. Can't wait. It's only a couple more days before we hit 10 million Bitcoin mines, too, isn't it? I think it's today or tomorrow, right? These things are, are designed on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> it's fantastic, the whole thing. Like, there's so many David amazing Bailey events does. leading up. David Bailey set up his math conference to be at the same time that a math equation solved for 19 million bitcoins. Let's talk a little bit about, like... Um, what people can look forward to for those of people who are still on the fence, like it's, it, it's your last couple of days to make that decision, get in there. I know people oftentimes will make these kind of last minute, I'm going to go kind of choices. You know, what are the reasons that people need to get off the fence and decide to do this thing? I can share a personal story about a last second Bitcoin conference attendee uh, myself for last year's conference. I think I got my ticket less than a week before, like right around this time, uh, got a shitty Airbnb. I was trying to get a job in Bitcoin and you want the biggest and best networking event 
to get a job or switch career paths, this is the place to be. Um, and I mean, like last year, there wasn't what we have this year with a full blown actual job fair with industry day. Like it was not organized like that, but this is going to be catered to a lot of different businesses that want to hire um, both technical roles as well as just broader non-technical roles. I think that's a thing that a lot of people get overwhelmed with is this idea that you have to be technically savvy to work in Bitcoin. Like, no, there are salespeople who work in Bitcoin. There's HR at different Bitcoin companies. Like, they, there are so many different roles that go beyond just like the technical capacity. So if you're even slightly interested in making a career switch, just being in this environment will put you over the edge and you won't be able to look at another industry again in the same way. Hey, it's just yep. over two days until uh, until 19 million is mine. So you know what aligns perfectly with that? And it's, it's a little unfortunate for those who are going to last minute FOMO, but we actually have a ticket price increase around uh it's it's a little bit more than two days away so um if you are on the fence i would say <laughs> make up your mind before the ticket price increase because otherwise it will cost you more to be at the event um and i would say you just gotta go like seriously you just gotta go uh and the reason is is it's an investment in yourself uh and it will help you network and grow within the bitcoin community whether it's a job or whether that's just meeting the plugs that you talk to on Twitter, on Bird App. Uh, so uh, that's worth a lot to me. Um, and the reality is, and I don't like, this is not about ticket sales for me. Like you just got, got to be in Miami. You don't even have to go to the event to get a lot of value. Like Bitcoin week in South Beach is going to be absolutely bonkers. Uh, there's already hundreds of events listed on the official Bitcoin week tab on uh, the conference website. But beyond that, like I'm just getting like emails and DMs of all these other private parties that are happening. So there's just hundreds of parties that are happening throughout Miami that are all about Bitcoin and all about networking for Bitcoin. So it's going to be an insane spectacle. I've been at New York Blockchain Week in 2018 and 2019. I've been a part of every single Bitcoin conference or the Bitcoin conference. I've been to many, you know, other Bitcoin conferences and you know, every single one of them has brought a tremendous amount of value to me personally and professionally. And I mean, this one is the granddaddy of them all. So I know Shane wants to talk, but that's my show. Hey, no, just one thing real quick. If, if you have, if you are wanting to go or if you're deciding today to go, I actually know of, uh, of the fact that there's like a ticket for sale on da Dallas Bitcoiners telegram. Someone can't go. So, uh, Go check it out. Just a little tidbit for anyone that doesn't have their ticket. Yeah, yet. no. So I want to jump in on on that. So there's a, a pretty healthy secondary market for ticket sales. So I would, you know, recommend to people to go for it if you want to go and uh, try to save some money. You definitely can save your money uh, by buying tickets tickets on the secondary market. But you need to be very careful not to get scammed, and you need to make sure that they eventually transfer the ticket over to you officially on Tixer, which is our ticketing platform. Uh, if you don't know how to do that, go to our website and in our FAQ section, there is uh, an area, I think it's the second question, 
um, on how to transfer tickets. So there's instructions on how to do that as well as an email for support to help you do that. But do not get scammed if you're going to buy a ticket secondhand. It's totally fine to do that. It's completely kosher. It's totally good. And you can definitely save money doing that. Um, but make sure that the ticket gets transferred to your name before you send them any Bitcoin or anything like that. That's a very good tip. I'll also, by the way, add um, a hack for getting a really great discount on tickets is buy your Bitcoin or buy your ticket with Bitcoin. You have the option to do that. If you go to the Bitcoin 2022 conference website and you go to check out, just check out and, and buy it in Bitcoin. Some people are like, well, I'm never going to get rid of my Bitcoin. Well, okay, I get that. Just go buy some right now, <laughs> transfer it over there and immediately buy the ticket. It's not that hard. Um, and it'll so, save you 30%. Yeah, exactly. So uh, the GA ticket right now, if you pay in, in fiat, is nine ninety nine. But if you pay in Bitcoin, it's six ninety nine. So uh, that's already one of the better prices that you can get. And spend and replace, guys. It's it's not that hard. You know, don't use your stacking stash uh, to buy this Bitcoin. Uh, but you know, you have the capability to send this Bitcoin and, and capture that steep discount. You can also use promo code Swan uh, to add on an additional ten percent. That's the hack for forty percent off. So you buy with yeah, Bitcoin, a hack. for sure. And then and then at checkout, you you use the uh, the discount code Swan S W A N for another ten percent. So you got forty percent off. All caps. It's got to be all caps, like you're shouting at it. Swan. <laughs> Let's hear from Neil Jacobs. Why do people want to go to this conference, Neil? Yeah, you just get to uh, meet with all the people you interacted with uh, online for the past uh, year, years. Um, you know, I don't really go to the conference to hear the speakers uh, because you could listen to those the speakers on recorded like YouTube's. You know, there might be a few I check out, but it's more just to network and connect with um a lot of the Bitcoin accounts I love on uh, Twitter, Clubhouse, other social media platforms. So it's just a great way to meet new people and um, get yourself more um, involved in the Bitcoin space if you choose. Yo, I want to talk about Sound Money Fest and maybe uh, Q and Chris can jump in too, but... Uh... I don't think a lot of Bitcoiners really anticipate how sick Saturday after the last day of the conference is going to be on April 9th. So everyone who has, a, you know, if you have a ticket to the event, you have a ticket to Sound Money Fest. And we're pretty much throwing a music festival after the conference, a one-day music festival, to celebrate Bitcoin and to celebrate the conference. This is like the official after party. So uh, I feel like that is something that is not priced in per se. And I think Bitcoiners are going to have an amazing time. And I feel really sad and sorry for, I think there's a bunch of people who are flying out like on Friday night or Saturday morning. They're going to miss out bigly, bigly, because the art gallery is going to be open. The exhibitor area is going to be open. Uh, there's going to be a comedy stage. And then obviously the music is going to be pumping and we have some really big headliners. So, I mean, Steve Aoki, Dead Mouse, Logic, Everyone took at least part of their paycheck in Bitcoin. Uh, and part of this event is just to open up the Bitcoin counterculture to uh, a wider audience. So uh, we're really hyped about Sound Money Fest. 
it is truly going to be the best after party ever because it's going to last for a whole day. Um, I mean, it's definitely a, it's going to be a whole experience that's separate to attending the conference while at the same time, just attending the conference gets you there. Um, and I mean, there's stuff planned at Sound Money Fest for everyone. I mean, we have Hannibal Burris performing stand-up comedy. We're going to have both hip-hop artists like Logic as well as house music like uh, Steve Aoki, Dead Mouse, CL. It's just going to be a giant party after spending the three days prior partying and hanging out with all your favorite people. Um, if you're if you're not attending, I will give you this one little tidbit that uh, we are planning some really exciting stuff for our YouTube channel, but we're not planning anything for Sound Money Fest. So, like, the FOMO is going to be so real, and you're going to sit there on your couch or wherever you are, so looking at my Twitter feed, looking at my Instagram story, being like, God damn it, I could have been partying with Q. The tickets to Sound Money Fest are only 110 bucks, so I know a lot of people have a hard time getting work off because the conference is during the week. Um, there's zero excuse to not come party with us on Saturday. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to Sound Money Fest as well. It's going to be a blast. Um, I think that's going to be when a lot of normies get orange pills. Uh, I think many people in the Miami area, whether they're college students or people that just love music festivals, want to go to Sound Money Fest. Uh, it's a good opportunity to orange pill people. You can use the Swan Force uh, referral I know that you guys do to stack some extra sats while teaching some people about Bitcoin that may not otherwise know about it. So I think that's kind of like the wrap-up opportunity to like pay it forward to the Bitcoin community and help teach people. You know, you don't have to overwhelm them about all the macroeconomics and geopolitical warfare that's going on in the world, but definitely tell them what Bitcoin is. You know, give them some free sats for referring them to Swan. Um, you know, if you're a Swan Force referral member, and I just think it's going to be an awesome opportunity to watch uh, Bitcoin on the the main stage of the world and in music. Yeah, I can't wait to see everybody over there. And it'll be my first conference. I haven't been to a Bitcoin conference before, so uh, it should be fun. I'm, and plus, you know, I mean, I love Miami. used to live in Miami. Can't wait to go back down there. It's going to be a blast. And uh, But could you guys talk about, um, you know, the, the app, the functionalities when it's available, you know, the conference app, the Bitcoin Magazine conference app? Yep. So I can talk about that. So uh, the conference app is actually already available. So if you go to the conference main page uh, and uh, you scroll below the speaker highlight, um, there's a big button that says get the app and then it's available on Google Play and the Apple App Store. Uh, you can also look up Bitcoin 2020 in the respective app store. And I know a lot of Bitcoiners are suspicious of apps. This app is literally, a, it's just a appified version of the agenda there's no tracking features or anything like that you can give it permission to send push notifications if you want like reminder notifications but all it is is a customizable agenda that we filled out with all of you know all the information for the conference so have no fear you can go look at the permissions yourself but it is pretty convenient and you can delete it afterwards we'll be continuing to just you know this will be the bitcoin 23 app afterwards so you know uh you can keep it if you want but uh, it's, it's pretty much just a appified uh, version of the agenda. 
uh, really useful. You can go through all the sessions, click your favorites, and then have a custom schedule. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's all to say, but uh, there are going to be, you know, push notifications and other sort of uh, little promotions that uh, that you can opt into as well. So that's pretty much it. And I, mean, I pinned it uh, to the I, top. I, I'm, I'm glad that, yeah, I'm glad that we have an app. Uh, we, 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 I guess the, the app should have a map as well. So that's going to be useful too. We haven't had an app in the past. Uh, people have taken like screenshots or made custom agendas or done a spreadsheet. So I think that this is a, a big, big, up, a big, big upgrade. Would somebody, uh, either on the crew or in the audience grab that link up in the I, nest? I've also I posted pinned, in the telegram. It. It's all the way at the top to scroll the most recent thing pinned, uh, I pinned our conference tweet to link that. Um, but Perfect. to echo what CK is saying, like this app, it, it's becoming, I will admit, like a, an internal app as well because we are all just using this as our sort of agenda to mark like when certain key things are happening for each team. Um, it's insanely helpful. Again, as someone who was just purely an attendee last year, um, this is a, a massive upgrade from that. So, and I'm excited to take your Bitcoin conference virginity at this conference this year. <laughs> um, if we can get that same link to the app posted in the Telegram group, that's going to be useful too, because these shows are all recorded. They go up as podcasts after the show. We have a lot of people who listen to the podcast and that's because they can't attend live. So it's another way to get, get access to that app. If you're listening to the podcast, it'll be in the Telegram group. Uh, Alex, I'm going to DM it to you now so you have it. Because the, the, the best part about this tweet is it links to both the Google Play Store and the Apple Store. Uh, all you green bubble people, y'all are the worst, but we respect your right to choose. You know, for me personally, I, I want to just be in real. I'm going to conference for the relationships. Like, I know there's going to be a crap ton of cool speakers and the music fest is going to be awesome, but it's like, I'm going to get to meet a ton of people in the Bitcoin community that I've been dying to meet for the longest time. And I just think the relationship aspect of that to me is super important. I think it's going to be great. Speaking of all the parties that are happening, like Swan Private is throwing a Swan Private event as well. If you're a Swan Private client, get in touch with your Swan Private rep. If you don't know what Swan Private is and you want to learn about it, DM me. Happy to uh, connect with you on that topic as well. Let's open it up. If you're in the audience and you have questions about conference, you want to ask questions about the value of being there or just anything about how everything is being run, now's the time. You can come up. You can shoot DMs. You can ask in the Telegram group. Pretty fired up for this. I'd also just love to highlight and maybe remind people um, Jack Mahler's last year gave a speech at the conference that like, will stay with me forever just because of what it meant to Bitcoin and that he helped announce that El Salvador was pushing forward legislation to make it legal tender and we all know how that ended. And this year, President Bukele is actually going to be making an announcement I don't know. CK doesn't know. Chris doesn't know. Um, 
him and Maulers are going back to back with special announcements. Um, like you're going to want to be in the room for that. I know Neil, you mentioned like, this is more a networking event. Like I personally agree with that wholeheartedly, but I also kind of agree with the idea of you want to be there when that room goes absolutely bonkers for whatever they announce. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's going to be a few speakers. If you know, you're a fan of specific people, definitely check them out. Or obviously, Najib Bukele, definitely. I'm curious to see what he has to say as well. So pick and choose for sure. So I, I, I understand that most people will be networking and that is the recommendation. Every single one of these things will be recorded and posted to YouTube. Uh, so that's definitely the recommendation, but I just want to give y'all a sneak peek at what the the Nakamoto main stage looks like pretty much after lunch. So after lunch, it's going to go Peter Thiel keynote, Bitcoin is freedom with Alex Gladstein, uh, Yon May Park. Farida and Fadi, uh, Farida Naburava, I can't pronounce her name, and uh, Fadi El Salamin. Uh, so those are all uh, dissidents and human rights activists. Then Ricardo Salinas is giving a keynote, followed by the Bitcoin payments revolution uh, with Jack Mahler's, Ken Kroger, Mike Brock, Ivan DeSoto, Bill Barheit, followed by the president of El Salvador, Nayib Bukele, giving a keynote, and then Jack Mahler is giving an announcement. So, like, I know you're going to want to network, but damn, it's going to be hard to network day one after lunch. You might as well just find your homies in camp at the main stage and just hold it down. Uh, so, you know, it's going to be a networking event, but <laughs> this content's going to be freaking very tantalizing. So you might as well at least look at the agenda a little bit because it's absolutely fire. Also, f full disclosure for those who attended last year and, and saw and dealt with the lines to get into the main stage room, I believe, and CK, correct me if I'm wrong, this year's capacity for the main stage is eight times the capacity we had last year. So definitely camp out to get a good spot, but just know that there's going to be ample room for everyone who wants to be at each of these speeches. So yeah, the main stage specifically uh, is five times bigger than last year. Last year it was about 3,500 seats. Uh, this year we're at 15,000 seats. So uh, we're anticipating some massive announcements. We're anticipating uh, a packed main stage for those massive moments. Uh, so we're doing our best to make a much more comfortable environment. This will be a much more comfortable environment than last year's event. Last year's event was very, very oversold. We had no idea what the demand was going to be for an event like this after, you know, kind of deep in the pandemic. But this year we have a much bigger venue. Everything is, you know, is kind of within the convention center. Uh, and that main stage is huge. It's absolutely massive. Uh, we have eight other, or we have eight stages total. So uh, there's a lot of stuff going down, uh, and all those other stages are huge too. Uh, the open source stage is over a thousand people, which would make it like the biggest open source conference or, or stage uh, in the world or in history, and that's within this conference. So uh, this event is is going to be massive. There's going to be thousands and thousands of people 
networking is, should be your prime goal, but the content is going to be absolutely fantastic as well. All right, now's a good time to hit a couple of quick announcements, and then we'll keep rolling. You are listening to Cafe Bitcoin. Welcome and good morning for those of you who are just joining us. This space, we talk about Bitcoin from the bottom to the top. We talk about very basic things, like if you're new to Bitcoin and you want to come in here and learn, it's a great place to do that. You can come in and ask questions. We'll be kind to you, I promise. Our objective is to teach people what this thing is and help you understand. We do this every day, Monday through Friday. We start at 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern. We roll for two hours. We talk about everything in regards to Bitcoin. We cover the Bitcoin news. It's the place that people are coming on the regular to get their news about Bitcoin in the mornings, as well as a hangout for some of the smartest people in Bitcoin to just chill, talk about what's going on. This is a podcast. These are all recorded. It goes up on Spotify and Apple, everywhere you get your podcasts. You can throw a follow to Swan Bitcoin to be notified of when these drop. Um, And then a quick thing about Swan. Swan Bitcoin is a uh, fiat to Bitcoin on-ramp. It's a place for you to convert your fiat dollars into Bitcoin. Um, It's also a massive educational platform. You can go to swanbitcoin.com slash canon to learn about Bitcoin. Swan Private is designed for high net worth investors, ultra high net worth worth investors, family offices, businesses that want a one-on-one kind of direct experience where you're dealing with a person plus our deep bench of expertise to learn about Bitcoin. We'll, We'll kind of hold your hand through the whole thing. That's the entire premise. In addition to that, Swan can take customers globally. It doesn't matter what region of the world you're from. You could be in South America, North America, Europe. The MENA region, we can take customers from all around the world. And if you want to put Bitcoin on your business balance sheet, it's one of the best ways to do that because we have the fastest onboarding in the industry, in some cases, in as fast as 48 hours. I will tell you one other thing about why you might want to go to Bitcoin 2022 from my personal perspective. I talk to investors all the time who... When they contact us, they're still kind of on the fence. They're deciding what to do. They're looking at their asset mix and they're going, okay, I've got this much in equities. I've got this much real estate, et cetera. They're looking at the rate of inflation. They're looking at the changes that are occurring in the world, the propensity of governments to just come in and take your property if they don't like you. And they're trying to figure it out. They're trying to decide, what should I do? How much should I put into Bitcoin? And should I even invest in Bitcoin? I will tell you this. If you go to the Bitcoin 2022 conference and you stay there and you learn, I promise you, you will come away from that event and you will know whether you should be buying Bitcoin or not. Yeah, I can second that. Um I, I've heard many stories and have many personal anecdotes of people who uh, either gained new conviction in Bitcoin uh, because of the conference in the past or people who were into crypto who, you know, could make sense of the Bitcoin only movement and Bitcoin maximalism much more. So uh, I think that the the event is a fantastic place to just showcase the Bitcoin counterculture, the Bitcoin movement, the Bitcoin technology stack, 
because, you know, frankly, it's hard not to get bullish when you feel the energy of the conference. Uh, you know, many of y'all are not big Kevin O'Reilly fans and, you know, I'm not endorsing him by any means, but, you know, he said some very critical things about Bitcoin. He went to Bitcoin 2021 and his tune changed a lot since then. And he credits the conference as being something that really made him bullish because he saw the activity. He saw the engagement. He saw the conviction. Uh, and, you know, it leaves an impression on you. Uh, I remember Jeff Booth, you know, said the same thing to me. Obviously, he's already convicted and was uh, a, a great speaker last year. But, you know, he's it was just such a breath, breath of fresh air coming out of the COVID lockdown situation and being around Bitcoiners. So uh, I think it's time again. Bitcoiners have the itch. They want to hang out. They want to drink. There's no better place to drink and hang out than the Bitcoin conference. I think especially the Sound Money Fest is going to be uh, elite for that function. And uh, I'm, I'm hyped. It's, uh, it's going to be a great time. As funny, you know, anecdotal story real quick, you know, I used to bartend on South Beach, right? And they would say to us at the bars, like, we get a lot of celebrities in here. And like, if you try to like, you know, get all starstruck on these celebrities, instead of just treating them like normal people or whatever, like they'll fire you, you know, you'll get reprimanded, you know, they, they don't want to have you over there, like sweating some star just because they're sitting at your bar, right? So it kind of knocked out like the idea of being starstruck out of me like at an early age. But I keep like imagining like when I think about going to the conference and like seeing some of these people who I actually respect because of their brains, like they're not celebrities because they're like some celebrity. Like I've respected these people over the last like four or five years, you know, since I've been here, they've helped guide like some of the ways that I've viewed Bitcoin. They've saved me sometimes from going into the wrong you know, path. And, uh, you know, so it'll be interesting to see. I hope I don't get speechless, you know, when I see somebody that that I really respect in person. So I'm excited about that part. My two cents on something like that. Um, it, it's honestly, so long as you go up to these people and you are respectful, you're not interrupting them in the middle of something else or catching them as they're clearly in a rush, and you go up to them and say exactly what Ant said. I've learned a ton from you. I really appreciate the work you do. Shout out Dr. Jeff Ross for coming in because I absolutely admire and love the work you do and all the conversations we have. Um, but no one hates hearing that. They just don't. And at a conference like this where everyone is going to be in the best mood and all that, if you see someone you genuinely admire and there's an opportunity to go shake their hand and say hello and tell them you admire them, they're going to eat that up. And you're going to remember that moment for a long time too. But don't go try to sneak into the VIP areas to do this, guys. Damn, oh, come on. That's what, I, that's what I'm You're assuming they don't have <laughs> VIP tickets, bro. We got some whales uh, swimming down there in the, in the audience. Yeah, I'm you assume, never know. I'm assuming I'm talking to, to my fellow plebs and maybe even trying to convince people to come. Um, but yeah, fine. Fair enough. I assume no whales. That's on me. So if, so if we know a whale, can they sneak us in? <laughs> I would also Shane, suggest... I'm giving your picture to security. <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely give his picture to security. I would also suggest, like, 
if you're a journalist, right, or you're someone in professional finance and you're trying to figure out this Bitcoin thing, instead of listening to the bullshit that's put out by the media, come hear from the people who have studied it for tens of thousands of hours. You're not going to get a better scoop or a better idea of what Bitcoin really is than from the mouths of people who've dedicated their lives to understanding it. I agree. And I mean, we historically have done a really great job of getting mainstream journalists there. Uh, you know, last year, we <laughs> there was mixed commentary. There's a lot of people trying to hit on us because, you know, we had, you know, no COVID policies uh, beyond what the city was, you know, recommending to us. Um, so, you know, a lot of the media uh, wanted to target us because of that. Uh, but there was a lot of really positives and uh, a few reporters, uh, specifically one um, from, uh, I think it was uh, CNBC, uh, McKenzie, who uh, has been doing an amazing job covering Bitcoin uh, in a really kind of honest way. Um, you know, she was at the event uh, and I remember that, you know, she got the opportunity to network with a lot of people. Uh, who were doing honest work in Bitcoin, who were helping move uh, mining hash rate from China to the U.S. That was a really big unfolding story at the time at Bitcoin 21. Uh, and it really, you know, gave her context to be a much more fair reporter to Bitcoin and in this uh, evolution uh, than many of her colleagues and uh, uh, and even competitors. So uh, I do think that, you know, this avenue uh, for the mainstream media to experience Bitcoin is very, very positive. And, you know, I think you're totally right, Alex. Well, I think it's fair to say that this thing, Bitcoin, it's, it's not, it's obviously not going away, right? So if you're smart enough as a journalist to catch on to that and then go to the sort of source of the information, you're going to be way ahead of all of your peers. Why wouldn't you do that? Just makes sense. Dr. Jeff, good morning and welcome. Looking forward to seeing you there at conference. Yeah, morning, Alex. Morning, everybody. I'm so jacked about this conference. This is my first Bitcoin conference. I've been to a ton of medical conferences, which are just really not very fun. Uh, so I'm really excited to get to hang out uh, with a bunch of Bitcoiners and party. And uh, just so people know, I'll be handing out free hugs uh, to any whales back in the in the VIP spaces. Um, I, I wanted to do one other uh, or uh, touch on one other thing you mentioned about doing the 10,000 plus hours of study. You know, guys, I've learned everything I need to know about Bitcoin from the Wall Street Journal. I see Cora in the audience. Yesterday, he, he posted an article from uh, somebody at the Wall Street Journal who was talking about the uh, what was it, the CEO of Bitcoin or something like that. Or, you know, it's just it's the just people, astonishing. The people, the people who control it, the people who <laughs> yeah. control Bitcoin. Right. Yeah. The people who control Bitcoin, you know, are there in this in the nefarious deeds that they're up to? It's just there's so much garbage out there on mainstream media. If you guys want to hear actual signal and filter out the noise, come to this conference or at the very least live stream it and watch it from home. That's what I did last year. Had serious FOMO, by the way, doing that because I couldn't I couldn't go to the conference. Um, but, man, it's just going to be like three or four days of pure signal about Bitcoin. So please, please, please tune in whether you're going to be there in person or not. I want to talk about the live stream. You know, we're obviously encouraging people to be there in person. It's going to be a lot of fun. If you don't, you will 100% FOMO and you will probably have missed out, but it's okay. 
in terms of like access to the content, don't worry, you will have access to the content. There's going to be a live stream every single day, including industry day, which, you know, GA uh, pass holders don't get access to. Uh, so we'll be live streaming the main stage content for that as well. And every single session will be recorded. And we have three full-time people who are pretty much going to be working full-time throughout the conference and afterwards, uh, just, you know, editing, clipping, and, and posting those videos. So our goal is to have 100% of the sessions posted within two weeks of the event. And then the most important sessions, the those huge moments posted close to immediately from when they happen. So uh, we're obviously prioritizing based on, you know, importance and, uh, and that kind of thing. Uh, but we're, we're going to do our best to one, we're going to be live streaming all the main stage stuff and the mining stage stuff. But two, we're going to be doing our best to just get every single thing posted. So uh, you will not miss out on the content. I promise you that even if you don't go to the event, this is a huge thing. We want to make it super, super accessible. And, uh, you know, the live stream is going to be fantastic. Uh, we got Chris and Q both here, and uh, both of them are on the team that are preparing for the live stream. And we have a lot planned there. I don't know what y'all want to tease, but uh, maybe they can jump into what the main stage or the main live stream is going to look like. Yeah, I can hop in here. Uh, I'm really honored and privileged to run the live stream, but um, I understand there's a lot of weight to it. I mean, in all the craziness of the world, uh, I understand that there's some people that will not be able to make the conference. So it is, um, you know, I I'm honored to basically be running the live stream and I want to give people the best experience for whatever reason they can't go to the conference, whether it's money related, you know, restrictions, whatever it may be. Uh, so I truly want to try and provide the best experience for people that can't be there in person or even I know myself, I'm an, I know I'm going to want to go back and rewatch some of the talks. I know when I want to get amped up, I always rewatch Jack Maller's talk from 2021 to get hyped for it. So uh, really trying to provide the best experience across all of our platforms. We'll be uh, streaming, you know, obviously on YouTube, Rumble, Twitch, uh, you name it. But uh, definitely want to try and bring out the best content. And I know CK already said, you know, vacation's not in the video team's vocabulary for two weeks post-conference because we're going to be working really hard to get all the content up, edited, and uh, properly cut for the way for everyone to enjoy it. So uh, I'm really looking forward to it. And I want to give everyone the best experience, whether you're there, you want to rewatch something or whether you can't make it for whatever reason. Uh, to double down on that also, um, I will tease it this much and I hope I'm not giving away too much, but um, we are going to be having like a pre and post game show from the conference desk, from this live stream, and some of the, and it's going to be going on throughout. So think of like a college game day or like the Super Bowl pregame, halftime, and postgame show, uh, except with every single speaker and speech that's done. And some of the guests that we have coming on to this, like I'm not going to spoil any of that, but oh my God, you guys thought that the conference speakers were dope? Let me tell you. You're gonna, your jaw is gonna drop when you realize like who is sitting on a desk talking about Bitcoin at the Bitcoin conference. That's all I'm gonna say. That's pretty fantastic. Hey, Q, let's hook up after the show today and talk a little bit about that. Our intention is to continue to do Cafe Bitcoin throughout the conference. So for those of you who are Cafe Bitcoin listeners, but you're not going to be able to make it to the conference, we're going to be doing the show still. We're going to be updating you guys with what's going on, and maybe we can connect with Q on this um, and do some of that from like as a collab with you guys, too.
don't want to like don't want to get in your way don't want to steal your fire obviously there are going to be much more important guests to have <laughs> than us we'll, we'll huddle up but, we'll huddle up after and talk and see what we can figure out because even beyond the desk space like there's going to be plenty of interview rooms uh we have like countless other podcast hosts that are obviously attending some speaking some just coming for fun uh who've requested media passes so we will have like other spaces as well beyond just this conference news desk Shane, I know you had your hand up for a sec. I don't know. Oh, I was I, just gonna. Yeah, I was just gonna ask, and I might have missed. I had to take a phone call earlier. But have are there still other speakers to be announced? Is is the lineup complete? I'm just curious on that. I would say ninety nine percent. Yeah, I'd probably say like uh, at this point the agenda is a hundred percent baked, but there's probably uh, some still surprise um speakers or uh audibles that will happen uh that's just the nature of things but yeah i mean there's going to be kind of like speaker announcements trickling out via social media and our other platforms but if you do go to the site like there's a lot of speakers on there that haven't you know been quote unquote announced uh but you know they're on the agenda and all that stuff so if you study the agenda take a look at the speakers on the site uh you know that's that's about 95 percent of them but of course, we got surprises up our sleeves. So, uh, you know, Nick Zabo, that one caught me flat-footed. I didn't even know about that one dropping on Monday. So that was a cool little surprise. So he's coming back. He, he was a headliner last year, and he wanted to come back this year. So that's really exciting. And obviously, uh, he's a legend, and he's joining many other OG legends like Adam back uh, at the event, too. It's just crazy. I mean, Jordan Peterson... I know so many people respect that guy. There's a there's millions of young men that have gone to that guy for a you know just a tune up so to speak on a moral compass because society has gotten so jacked up in terms of what's good and right versus what's being pushed by sort of you know what I'm saying. That's going to be a great speaker. Also Cynthia Lummis and I'm sure there's going to be other politicians there you know she's pro bitcoin i know that but the conviction she's going to come away with as well as anybody else who's there after this event i can only imagine the secondary and tertiary effects of that as it ripples through society and the economy it's going to be fantastic well i'll say this you know last year i believe we had three politicians there uh and they were all like hardened hardcore pro bitcoiners Um, I would say that the requests that have come in have expanded much further than that. You know, we've all kind of uh, watched uh, Bitcoin's political uh, voice grow a lot in the last six or seven months. Uh, So uh, the political arena, you know, sees Bitcoin as something that is very, very relevant. Uh, And, you know, we definitely... Uh, used a lot of judgment when working with different uh, people who are involved in politics at the event. Uh, but the the actual interest from different politicians it was very different this time around. The last time again, it was you know it was uh, our 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 tried and, and faithful uh, Warren Davidson, uh, Cynthia Lummis, uh, obviously the mayor of Miami. Uh, but this time around way, way more requests and way more interest from the political side of things.
we got to work on getting that mayor of Miami turned around. <laughs> All Bitcoin. All Bitcoin. Yeah, he started so good. So I have a question. What's better, mayor of Miami being pro-Bitcoin and a shitcoiner or mayor of Miami being anti-Bitcoin? That's, that's fair. I don't know. I just don't have a lot of room in my heart, I guess. <laughs> I need to grow. I'd no, take anti-Bitcoin, personally. You take anti-Bitcoin. Wow. Oh, yeah, well, if I mean, they're going to bring that bag with it, I don't want it. Because the laws are going to be mixed up. The focus is going to be mixed up. The, the entire perspective is mixed up. And it's a start. I'm glad to see them on the way. But I, I wouldn't want them to start rolling out policies and plans and procedures around shitcoinery, you know. So if it's that, I'd rather just stay off the bus. I mean, I'm not so worried about them being against Bitcoin. That doesn't bother me hardly at all. All presses no, I, I, I don't want to derail it too much, but uh, speaking of Miami, you know, I do think that, you know, of, of all the cities in America, it's one of the best for Bitcoin. Uh, and during Bitcoin week, it's going to be absolutely painted orange and it's just going to be absolutely taken over by Bitcoin people. So I think uh, two uh, in the nest on like the third pin tweet, uh, there's a photo of cabs that have uh, Bitcoin 2022 branding on them and advertising. Uh, a lot of people have been posting photos from the airport. I'm sure that's going to increase a lot as people start flying in. But uh, we did our best to paint the city orange. And all of our partners are dropping huge bills as well to do the same. So uh, for the city of Miami, this is a big deal. I remember it was hard to get the mayor to call us back last year. And eventually he didn't realize, wow, this is a big deal. Uh, and this time around, you know, they are, they're partners, you know, they're, they're, they're rolling out the orange carpet for Bitcoiners because they know that, you know, this is a big deal. This conference is a big deal. This community is a big deal. And, uh, you know, they're going to do their best to, to uh, make it hospitable. And I mean, it's going to be a great time. The event is at Miami beach convention center. So it's on uh, it's in South beach. A lot of the hotels are both walking distance from the beach and from the convention center which is absolutely epic. Uh, and I'm just, I'm just so excited for it. And I think it's going to really blow people's mind because uh, I've been saying this, but I feel like this conference makes Bitcoin feel so much realer. Uh, you know, my co-host of FedWatch, Ansel Linder, hardcore Bitcoiner, he's actually one of the people who orange-pilled me onto Bitcoin only. You know, last year, he was, he was, that was the first time I'd met him in person. He was like, wow, like this makes me feel like hyper-Bitcoinization is now. And I think that that is very true. Well, yeah, if I you think, think I... about the amount of revenue that an event like this is going to drive for the city of Miami and all the after effects of that, that's Miami's becoming one of the major technology hubs for Bitcoin, really. Miami and I guess Austin and Nashville all up in there. So nothing but good for those guys, I think. Go ahead, Ant. Yeah, I agree, Alex. I was just going to say that the the location that CK was talking about, I mean, over there at the at the convention center, I mean, that's like on, first of all, Miami Beach is pretty small. I mean, it's only like five or six streets, like, you know, wide when you zoom out, you know, main ones. So then, uh, and everything happens like between, you know, really like 4th Street, you know, on up to like 17th or 18th. And the convention center is right there on like 20th or, you know, in between 20th, 23rd Street. It's like right there. So, yeah, I mean, everything's walking. 17th uh, is like Lincoln Road or whatever. And it has like all these 
awesome places to eat. And then, you know, of course, Collins and, and Ocean Drive run, you know, parallel to each other. And, you know, I mean, there's like all kinds of things to do and eat and clubs and shopping. So it's going to be fun, man. It's all like you say, it's all walking distance. So, I, you know, that that's going to be key. Also, we're in South Beach this year. Like last year, we just weren't. I'm not saying that last year's venue wasn't great, but like South Beach is iconic. This is going to be next level. What's up, guys? I have a question. And what's up, Chris Q? I love your show, and and uh, Chris is my my boy from the meetup. So what's up, man? Um, I just have a question. So like for people that haven't been there, do you guys have any tips? Like, should we bring like a backpack? Are you guys going to have like walkers? And then, um, like for lightning payments, like, do you guys have a, like, what app should we be using? Like a blue wallet is fine to be able to purchase goods. Like everything's going to be purchased in sats there, I, I guess. Right. Yeah, I can jump into this. So the entire conference is 100% Bitcoin and lightning enabled obviously it's fiat enabled too but uh it's 100 percent bitcoin and lightning enabled uh, all of the vendors inside as well as the official store and the bitcoin bazaar which is something really cool that i can tease later all of them will be accepting bitcoin and lightning and yeah i mean you know lightning's interoperable with you know all of the other lightning wallets so um you know i'd recommend to uh you know get your favorite wallet uh, don't bring too much funds on you, you know, use, you know, uh, common sense uh, practices to keep yourself safe in a public event. Uh, and yeah, I mean, again, it's going to be fun to kind of see the Bitcoin ecosystem, you know, in play. One of the uh, my favorite ways that we, you know, have demonstrated how cool it is to lightning enable something is with uh, with arcade games. So we have a esports arena area and that area has a bunch of like old school video games uh, that, you know, you get at an arcade uh, and they're all lightning enabled as well. So uh, a lot of cool stuff uh, that you can do with lightning at the event. We obviously want to showcase Bitcoin and Bitcoin tech. Uh, Ibex Mercado is powering the entire thing. So we're super honored to partner with them. They are a huge part of uh, the Bitcoin rollout in El Salvador. Uh, And yeah, I mean, Jacob, does that answer your question? Yeah, man. And then just like for like what Ant was saying, this is my first conference as well. So like I don't really know what to bring. Like when I go there, like I'm concerned with like, should I bring a backpack with water, maybe like a battery backup for my iPhone? Yeah. Like, just any Great tips? Question. Yeah. So I would say like you are going to be on your feet. You're going to be walking around. Uh, it is The weather is going to be really nice. Uh, this is spring break time. This is the best time of the year pretty much in South Beach. Um, so the weather is going to be really nice and comfortable. And yeah, I would just say, you know, dress your style in the most comfortable manner possible. Uh, you know, be comfortable. If you want to bring a backpack, uh, that could be a nice recommendation. We're going to have water and refreshments and food at the event, but it never hurts to, you know, bring a snack, um, or something like that as well. I would not recommend to bring like a computer and anything like that, unless you absolutely need it. You know, for me, you know, I, I, I probably wouldn't want to bring a bag if I had a choice. But, you know, a lot of people do like to have a bag and, and that's totally OK. Uh, just a note on day one, you know, we're doing our best to have a, a, a really good 
uh, an efficient line situation. But if you do bring a bag, you know, bag requires extra searching and security. So maybe, you know, rethink bringing a, a bag day one uh, just for expedience uh, at the line. Uh, but, you know, the best, you know, recommendation I can give is that if you're interested in networking, you know, either have business cards or have a QR code where people can scan and get your information easily. Um, so, you know, you can create your own little QR code. That's a pretty good solution. And make sure, regardless, that you have good footwear because you're going to be on your feet a long time. So that's going to be really important. I brought a bag with a backpack, I mean, uh, with my laptop. I regretted it immensely. Like all you need is water, good shoes, and if you're a fair skin, some uh, sunscreen. Also, Miami rains like for five minutes at a time. So fair warning. Can you give us a guys, uh, give everybody a, uh, some tips on pre-registration? Because I know that that will be a, a real deal for people to get the, uh, the registration part out of the way so that yep. – uh, so if you're going to be in Miami on April 5th, the day before industry day, as well as April 6th, which is industry day, even if you don't have an industry day ticket, you can show up on either of those days and get your wristband beforehand. That will allow, you know, pretty much you show us your ticket. We verify that no one's used it before uh, and that it's in your name. And then we uh, and then we uh, give you a wristband. Uh, once you have that wristband, uh, you can't take that wristband off. So here another tip is. Don't tighten the wristband too much, please. Like everyone always does this. They're, they don't come off. So don't tighten the wristband too much. Uh, you get your wristband. And then uh, when you show up uh, day one, uh, you can go straight to security rather than registration and then security. Uh, so pre-registration is available. Um, again, I would say the hottest time, the most crowded time is going to be like two hours before and two hours uh, after, uh, you know, the, the opening door. So people kind of like queue up before and people in the line is, you know, going to be longer uh, at that beginning time. So if you're not super eager to see something immediately, you know, you can show up a couple hours late and skip the line a little bit. But in general, we are like last year, there's like three lines. This year, there's 16 lines, right? You know, this year, there's pre-registration. Uh, this year, we're working with the city to own an entire massive street in order to facilitate this entire thing. So it's going to be massively improved. But, uh, you know, again, use your best judgment, look at the agenda uh, and, and make kind of your own decision on that front. Right on. So we've got hash rate that just came up on stage. We're going to give you an opportunity to speak and then we're going to let CK, Chris and Q go with closing comments and then we will wrap the show. Good morning, Ash. Hi there. Uh uh just had a quick question about uh i've never been to a, a conference before so i'm definitely uh looking forward to it but i had a question how is the sort of the security measures of last year in comparison to what you guys are going to be doing this year uh so i mean i think last year one of the biggest uh sore spots was the security and the lines on day one uh so we've 100 percent revamped it uh, we're working with the city and the police and uh, the the venue's security team, uh, and it is a much more uh, locked down, thorough, and organized uh, operation. Uh, effectively, you know, we had never <laughs> held a ten thousand person event before uh, at that point, and so now we're much more prepared to deal with that scale. So I think it's going to be a million times better than last year, both in you know dealing with security to get in is going to be a lot easier. 
and then uh, the security, uh, you know, protection and lockdown of the event venue is going to be much tighter. Awesome. All right. Any closing comments, Q? I will see all you in Miami and let's party. Simple as that. We know where your motivations lie, sir. <laughs> Chris, closing comments? Yeah, thanks, Swan and the Swan team uh, and Alex for hosting this and Jacob as well. Uh, I'm excited to meet many of you in person. I know I've interacted with many of you on the Bird app uh, for the last better part of two years, but I have not had the pleasure of meeting a lot of you guys in, in person. I'm excited to meet you guys, all the plebs, and just come hang out in Miami and have a great, uh, safe and fun time down there and uh, excited to hear all these announcements. But thanks so much, guys. Looking forward to seeing you down there. Heck yeah. Thanks for being here. CK? Man, I feel like I've been talking a lot, but um, excited to meet everyone at the conference. Uh, I have a box of 10 copies of The Sovereign Individual that I'm going to be handing out to people who ask me for them. Uh, so you, you just got to find me and ask for a copy. And if I have one, it's yours. Uh, so it's a little tradition I've been doing at these Bitcoin conferences, but we need more people to read the sovereign individual. We need more people to understand Bitcoin. Uh, and that's the, the whole point of this whole thing. So uh, we're just trying to orange pill people and uh, create an amazing place for Bitcoiners to have fun and for people to move Bitcoin forward. So uh, that's all we're trying to do. Be a part of it. Go to b.tc forward slash conference to learn more. If you want to buy tickets, we already went over this, but you can save when you pay in Bitcoin and you can get an additional discount when you use Code SWAN, all caps. Alex, back to you. All right, I just want to thank you guys for being here today. CK, Chris, Q, really appreciate you guys, what you're doing with the conference, what you're doing for the whole community. You have been listening to Cafe Bitcoin. We do this every day, Monday through Friday. We start at 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern. We roll for two hours. We talk about all things Bitcoin. This is a great place to get your morning news in Bitcoin. It's becoming a preferred hangout for some of the smartest minds of Bitcoin to just chill, talk about what's going on. It's also a podcast. It's up on Spotify, Apple, everywhere you get your podcasts. Throw a follow to Swan Bitcoin. You'll be notified of when those drop. Thanks to everybody for being here. Just want you all to know that the purpose of this room, this spaces that we do on a daily basis is for people who are new, who want to learn. It's a great place to do that. If you want to come up and ask questions, we will be kind to you. I promise. I want to thank Swan Bitcoin, Bitcoin Magazine, my crew, Aunt Shane, Sats for Life, producer Jacob Pope. My name is Alex Stanzik. I am your host. I work with Swan Bitcoin, managing director with Swan Private. If you want to know about Swan Private, DM me. If you want to know about Swan in general, you can DM me. Happy to help you if you're new to Bitcoin too. And for everybody who's here, everybody who's listening on the podcast, get on the mission, people. If you don't know what that means, hang out. You'll figure it out. Love all of you guys. Everybody go out there and have a great day. Crush it. <laughs>